working? Are you working? Yes, you're working. You guys did see that I I did put the slides on for today already on Blackboard. Most of you guys download them. Okay, let us continue. So the other thing that we have to talk about when we discuss homeostasis, when we, we did all these parameters and so forth, is uh, within the body as well, uh, we the body needs to maintain certain pH levels. We'll talk about what pH actually means in a minute. But um, for certain things to occur in certain environments, it means certain environments have to be either more acidic or more alkaline in order for things to function properly. So on top of everything else the uh, the body has to do <clears throat> to maintain homeostasis, it also needs to maintain uh, pH levels or acidic or base levels within the body itself as well. <coughs> I'll be glad when I get rid of this thing. It really drives me out of my mind. So we have to talk about electrolytes because electrolytes are something that are vitally important. You may have heard that term before. Can anybody kind of guess basically what an electrolyte is? Okay, what's it do? What does an electrolyte do? Cor sort of, but chemically. Right, so it's it's conductive. So, for example, let's say I put a tub here in the middle of the room full of water, and I asked one of you to volunteer and jump in the water, and in front of you I plugged in a toaster, turned it on, and dumped it in the water. Okay. Not necessarily. How would I ensure that I really want that toaster to work? I would take a bag of salt and I would dump it in the tub, mix it all around so it was nice and saline. I guarantee you if I drop that uh, toaster in the tub then, you're a goner. Because while, as conductive as water is, the electrolytes in, in fluids, so the salt that I put in, actually conducts the electricity far, far better. So you can imagine then if I want electrical impulses to travel through the human body. It's in my best interest to have electrolytes so that I can ensure that you know messages and things that happen in the body work much more efficiently. So basically solutions are things that contain ions. Anybody remember what an ion is? So it's charged particles, right? Things that have a charge in them, positive or negative. That's what we consider an ion. So these electrolytes contain ions, and you know some of the common ones are potassium, the big one's sodium, and the other one's calcium. <clears throat> Body uses sodium and calcium an awful lot for muscle contraction, heart muscle contraction, and so forth. So the human body could not function without them, and nervous conduction, conduction and muscle contraction could not happen without these things. So that's why you know a bunch of guys I play golf with. Uh, they love eating bananas all the time. You'll even see in you know in major tournaments, a lot of them will eat bananas. It contains potassium, which helps with muscle contraction. It's a good ion. Uh, it helps to maintain energy and so forth. So, and that's why you know you see a lot of these drinks now, right? Pre-workout drinks, post-workout drinks. How many people here drink that crap called Gatorade? Right. Okay. So where did where did Gatorade come from? What, what about them? Drink. Right. Right. Exactly. 
So it was an electrolyte. It was an electrolyte drink, hence the name Gatorade, right? But the problem is somebody bought Gatorade. Who bought Gatorade? Coca-Cola. So what do you think they did? Take that 50-pound bag of white sugar and dump it in there. Gatorade's still not a bad drink from uh from the perspective of uh of um of no, it's an electrolyte, so Gatorade wouldn't be a bad idea if you're running like an ultramarathon and you're really depleting your body. Gatorade's not a bad thing. Uh I used it when I was hungover. Whenever I went up to the hunt camp, but I only used my I never bought it already done, I bought the powder, so I didn't I didn't overdo the flavor stuff. But now if you look like I think it's BioSteel. Uh, makes um, like these pre-drinks, stuff like that. I actually take, as I work out first thing in the morning, so I, I work my workout, I fast workout, so I take branched-chain amino acids in the morning for, for my energy because it helps me a lot. Branched-chain amino acids are a form of protein which gives me energy. So um, there are options outside of some of these drinks. <clears throat> no, it's the same thing. All it is is water and sugar. And, yeah, and salt. And salt, right? So that's that's the one thing that, you know, when when... When people have, uh, when you know someone like a Coca-Cola has made these drinks, that would you well, if you walk back here, you know, you see the cooler over there, and expect you to drink them all the time. That is not what they're for. They're not, they're not a day-to-day, all-the-time drink. That's not their purpose. Well, they kind of are now because they've altered them to some degree. But um, you are actually just, you know, pounding back refined sugars and killing yourself quickly. So um, it's not a good drink to have. That stuff's not bad. Um, with what they added as far as that goes. There are, there are lots of options. Your better off is to go to water with things added in. So some of these waters, like the smart water and stuff like that, are far better for you than any of this Gatorade and G2 and all that kind of stuff. Although, that being said, what you pay for these is ridiculous. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. AD and K, right? Most of them. I know. Which actually can reach toxic levels. So... The thing to remember about an electrolyte when we look at it is if we place an electrolyte in water, they, the, the ions divide into their separate positive and negative charges. So that's, so you have, you're going to start now as we work our way through and in, in Tammy's class, but not until the second half. It is these minute charges and it is the difference between charges that results in the electrical current that the body uses to do things like muscle contraction, heart wall contraction, all those sorts of things. Um, these, these potential charges that occur across membranes. And we will be talking somewhat about it, um, but can be a lot more than I will in the second half of muscle. Um, the thing to remember about electrolytes is how much do we take in and how much do we throw out all the time? Because we knew we can't have overabundance of electrolytes either. Some electrolytes are really bad for us. We need to get them out of the body. On average per day, uh, you tend to create through metabolism, you tend to create about 250 mils of electrolytes. Foods contribute 10% and beverages about 60%. In a given day, what do you get rid of? Your, your feces, your sweat, um, insensible losses via skin and lungs when you're breathing and urine. This is the percentages that you output every day out of these sorts of things as well. So again, from a homeostatic perspective, you can now see there's like, you know, a teeter-totter type of thing, in, out, in, out. Um, sometimes when we think that patients have uh, an issue with, uh, with uh, fluid with their kidneys and that, we'll actually do in-out days where they will, it, what, they, what they drink that day is strictly measured and then they also strictly measure what comes out that day because they should equal. They, your urine output and your and your fluid intake should be equal. So they start to see if there's if there's imbalances between the two. So 
let's move on to acids and bases. Now, within the cell, intracellularly, right, we have to have a particular environment. The inside of the cell needs a particular environment in order for all the things that happen in a cell to function properly. Conversely, outside the cell, we also need an environment where things work really well. In other words, we're saying that both intracellular and extracellularly, the environments must be balanced quantities of acids and bases. So this is starting to move towards thinking about what pH levels are. So in other words, how acidic something is or isn't. So in a solution, the more hydrogen ions we find, the more acidic the solution becomes. In other words, when I take an acid and I put it in water, it will dissociate into more water and hydrogen ions. So we'll look at it and we'll say, you know, depending on what happens, I, I put the solution in the water, I measure it, I look at it, wow, there's lots of hydrogen ions, that was an acid. Okay? Do you guys think of any common acids that you know? Sulfuric. That's not common, but it is an acid. Vinegar. Sorry? Lemon juice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, we won't get started on that because I don't believe in any of that crap. I think all this alkaline diet stuff, again, is fad. Uh, our body, when you think about how the body works with homeostasis, this, idea, this whole idea that we eat too much acid, we might, but, but we don't become any more acidic because if we did, we would die. So therefore, we're really not, we're dealing with it. No. Uh, I say we wouldn't be able to deal with it properly. I have some examples for you. Now, the other thing is if I take a solution and I put it in water and it divides not into hydrogen but into um, into um, hydroxide ions, we say that that is more alkaline, but the proper term uh, medically or, or scientifically is called a base. So the more base something is. So we have solutions that are extremely acidic, which like vinegar and so forth, but we also have things uh, solutions that are very base. Can anybody give me an example of something that's base? This is a little bit harder. Sorry? Sodium bicarbonate? Good. Chalk? Good. Sorry? Hydrogen peroxide? Right. So these are more base. Can they be as disruptive as an acid if they're in concentrated levels? Absolutely. Okay? Same idea. Parameters get out to the far edges, get too acidic, not a good thing. Get too base, not a good thing either. What do we, it's historically, in say times of war when mass bodies were killed, what did we put on bodies in the grave to help them break down faster? Sorry? Lie, correct. Lie is extremely base. It's not an acid. It's extremely base and dissolves bodies. It actually breaks the body. It's just that it's at that other end and it breaks down, it actually liquefies. Remember when I talked about lie, L-Y-E? It's a very base chemical. We actually, back in the day in, of the um, pioneers, we actually used lye to make soap. You would actually wash your body with lye. I can't imagine. Yeah, and then you rubbed yourself with animal fat. Yeah. It gets made. It, it's just one of those, one of those uh, in the periodic. It, it, just, it, gets, it gets created. But it actually, so we talked about the levels of um, organization. If you use lye, it actually liquefies the body. It actually makes the 
firmness of the body right down into the chemicals again it breaks all the chemical bonds and the and the body basically becomes a soup except for the bones eventually the bones will, but it becomes a soup that's why like i'm watching uh ken burns civil war right now you know mass graves that's why they put lion because they want the body to break down as soon as possible otherwise you get a lot of disease and all those sorts of things right so if it's acid it's hydrogen if it's alkaline or base it's hydroxide when a base is added to an acid it removes hydrogen from that solution, it making it more base. But it's still an acid. It's just making it less of an acid. And that's a good statement, and it's a very key part. I can add enough base to neutralize an acid. I can do that. Make it neutral. Neutral is water. Water. It's, it's water. It's water, right? So I can I can add enough of either or to make something completely neutralized. This distilled is yes, distilled water yes, but fundamentally water. So uh, if I add alkaline to an acidic solution, I may slowly remove hydrogen if I want to make it less acidic, and that's going to come in handy a little bit later. The more hydrogen ions that exist in a solution, the more acidic the solution. So the more hydrogen I find we say that it's more acidic. The more hydroxide ions that we find in a solution, we say the more alkaline or basic it is. And we can measure this alkalinity or this acidity on the scale called pH. And what does pH stand for? It's pretty easy. Percent hydrogen. You know, it's funny, no one ever says that. Everybody calls it the pH scale, but no one really says what pH stands for. That's why the P is little case and the H is large case because it represents hydrogen. It actually means percent hydrogen. How much hydrogen there is or isn't. Oh, that's, sorry, you'll see it, it's here. Sorry about that. It's, I've got it here. Uh, okay, good. Uh, so on the pH scale, a solution is expressed on a scale of 0 to 14. Okay. So we look at something and we compare it and we say where it sits on that scale. I am not going to get into how the scale works because it's quite convoluted and I'm not a mathematical guy. Frankly, I don't care. All you need to understand is that um, seven, seven is the midpoint, which means hydrogen and hydroxide are equal. Therefore, they cross each other out and that is water and it is neutral. Okay. So 7 is the middle of the scale. 0 at this end, 14 at this end, 7 in the middle. That represents pure water. Neither acidic nor alkaline. Okay? All right. A salt is something we have to think about as well because something happens when we interact these two things. When added to water, dissociates into cations and and that should be and, and anions, neither of which is hydrogen or hydroxide. So if I take a salt and put it in water, it divides into positively charged molecules and negatively charged molecules, neither of which is hydroxide or hydrogen. Therefore, it's neither base nor acid. Everybody got that? Okay. And as we said earlier when we were looking at electrolytes, salts play a vital role in allowing for electric conduction to occur, which results in muscle contraction and all sorts of things. What's interesting is, well, when we bring in an acid and a base together, 
their byproduct is a salt. Okay? By canceling each other out, it results in a salt. So, we said that the pH scale is measurement of how acidic or alkaline uh, a solution is. And we said that 7 is said to be neutral. As the number moves right, the solution becomes so more alkaline. So when I say right, if we have the scale here, 0 is here, and 14 is here, and 7 is here, with being neutral. Moving to the right, the number gets larger, and it is more alkaline. If it moves to the left, the number becomes smaller and is more acidic. That's all you need to worry about understanding and knowing for this class, okay? So, as the numbers move left, the solution becomes more acidic. If it moves right, in other words, the numbers get larger, it becomes more alkaline. And what's really important to understand is, if a solution moves one point, so if it goes from 7 to 8, right, moves down that continuum, right, the percentage of change is tenfold. What's tenfold mean? Ten times ten. The power of ten, right? How big a change is that? Holy crap. Massive. Massive. Okay? So in some cases, we will discover that the parameter for pH levels is in the decimal points. Okay? We don't want to move things an entire full point because that's a tenfold change in either being more acidic or less acidic which could result in, from a, a homeostatic point of view, catastrophic to the body, right? So you need to understand that that one point is a tenfold change. Various intra- and extracellular fluids have specific pH, and, uh, and they must maintain those. If you have your book with you, turn to page 42. I don't know whoever decided that your book should go in a binder. I think that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. I have a feeling, yeah, I have a feeling that the publisher did it because it probably cost them a fortune to bind books. I know. Yeah. Everybody got it. Uh, forty-two. Let's say forty-two. Yeah, forty-two. Uh, not in that book. <laughs> awesome. I know. They tried to tell me that you chose it. I'm like, no, she didn't. I know. I talked I talk to the man. I talked to the manager this morning. Okay, everybody's got it? Everybody sees it? Okay. So mine doesn't say what yours says because I haven't got the list of things. Let's talk about the scale itself first, and then, then you guys can shout out some of the important things there. So, we see here, pH is based on a, on a mathematical calculation of its power. Okay, you'll see 10 to the negative 7, negative 8, and so forth. <clears throat> All I want you to take from this is that, see that both at neutral, both um, uh, 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 hydrogen and hydroxide are 10 to the power of negative 7. So they're equal. Therefore, it is a neutral solution. As we move 
towards becoming more base, we see that the power of hydrogen goes up. Now, here's where it gets screwy. With the power going up, its percentage goes down. As I said, I'm not getting into the math, and I never ask you a question about that. Just understand it's more about how much hydrogen there is. So in the mathematical sense, so the negative, because it's, it's a negative power, right? So therefore, it's less than, if you want to think of it that way, right? So you see 10 to the negative 14 to 10 to the 0. So that would be the most base something could get. And at the other end, exactly the same thing happens, only in the opposite direction, is that we get 10 to the negative 14 here on the hydroxide side and 10 to 0 in the acidic side. Therefore, that's the most acidic something can get. Okay? Now, if you look in your book, there's some key things here from a body point of view that we need to think about. So this would be in, uh, in table uh, 2.4. So obviously the one at the very top of the list, the most acidic, would be gastric juice. So that would be what's in your stomach. And uh, it, it, of course it does exactly what we talked about. It liquefies whatever it is you're eating. Um, you all know what what this acidic environment does because all of us at some point or other, whether it be a flu or too much to drink, have vomited up a meal, and it certainly doesn't look like it did on the plate when you were chewing it, putting it in, correct? It's much more liquefied and colorful and all sorts of things, okay? What's interesting about gastric juice is uh, how many people here take pills for, like, like prescription-level antacids, that kind of stuff, for, like, like, reflux disease or those sorts of things? So you know what they discovered about these? They lower, they change your pH to more alkaline environment, and long-term usage of those pills results in osteoporosis because you have an inability to absorb calcium in a less acidic environment. Yeah, yeah. Well, allopathic medicine thinks that the whole problem is too much acid. Naturopathic medicine will say it's either too much or not enough. So sometimes you'll see a naturopath, and they will put you on things to increase, such as such as pineapple and those sorts of things, to, to see if that will help break down the food. So there are two... I know, I know. Uh, the other one here is vaginal fluid. So is vaginal fluid at 3.5 to 4.5, is that alkaline or acidic? Right. Then what I want you to do, I want you to go all the way to semen. Semen is 7.2 to 7.6. So what's it? Base. Why? It is truly the battle of the sexes. Okay. If I didn't deal with your lady's acidic environment, my sperm would die before they ever got to that egg. So you men actually have a kamikaze sperm. So when when the sperm enters into the female, there are certain sperm that go forward and die deliberately because of their alkalinity, thus making the environment more toward neutral so the sperm can live and swim to where they need to get to. Yes. Is that wild? I call it the battle of the sexes. Yep. I call that's my term. Um, urine. Fairly what? Acidic? Yes. Uh, pancreatic juice. Very base. So when you eat a meal and uh, your stomach uses acid to break down the food, that acidic chyme, it's called, squirts into the first part of the small intestine. The stomach has 
adaptations in its lining to exist in that acidic environment. Because if it didn't, that acid would actually eat through the stomach itself and cause holes in it. And it does sometimes. You know that as a ulcer. Right. So if I'm squirting an acidic juice into the duodenum of the small intestine, I can tell you that it does not have the internal adaptations to deal with the acid. So the pancreas squirts an alkaline solution to lower the acidic value of what you're eating so that the small intestine can now deal with the digestion that the stomach has done. Okay? So, you see how homeostasis was like friggin' everywhere? All over the place, right? It changes. No, no, cancer, pancreatic cancer is just one of those things we don't know the reason for it necessarily. Um, I can say it is related to smoking. It does, actually. Same as bladder cancer. <laughs> Um, anyway, so you get the idea that that within um, within those, okay, so think of the parameters within those. So, ladies, what happens if your internal environment becomes more alkaline? What do you get? Got it. A yeast infection. So your environment between bacteria and yeast inside you has to be a balance for that, that environment to be healthy. If for some reason something happens that it becomes more alkaline, then that's where you run into a yeast infection. The same thing happens in your mouth. What's it called in your mouth? What's a, what's a yeast infection in your mouth? Thrush. Thrush. What's that? Yeah, and I got it once from toothpaste. So you know, the, I think it's either Crest or Colgate created a toothpaste that, again, under your thing, we live in an acidic environment. If you use this toothpaste, it, 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 puts off the detriment of drinking red wine and vinegary food and stuff like that. Do you remember those commercials? Right? We have two, so I started using this stuff. I thought, okay, I'll give it a try. It lowered my pH so much in my mouth, I got thrush. Yeah. Yep. So it's a pH change. So again, homeostasis. The environment... Or the, or the solution has to be maintained within its parameters. So, ladies, you have a particular acidic environment um, inside your internal environment. Uh, sperm needs to be produced in a certain alkaline sense. Like on and on and on. There's all these things all the time. So, these need to be maintained at certain levels. So, how do we do that? With something called buffers. Okay? So, the normal pH limit or parameter for each of these fluids is quite narrow. So if you look at, you know, those fluids in that list, they're all relatively narrow as to where they need to be. Your or, um, blood also has its own pH in there, correct? So homeostatic mechanisms are constantly at work to maintain the appropriate values. So quite often one of the major roles of maintaining uh, acid levels is the kidneys because the kidneys excrete a lot of acid through urine. So it needs to be, the, the kidney needs to be functioning as well. Strong acids are continually created by the body and consumed into the body. But pH levels in the body remain constant. How does this happen? As per this supposed alkaline diet that we're all supposed to be on. So my argument is if we're, if we're so acidic, then I would think we'd be seeing that in any sort of results that, that, that we'd be looking at scientifically, but we don't. So how is it 
that you are able to do this. So let's think back. I said if I add a hydrogen and a hydroxide ion, my byproduct is a salt. Okay? So if I had an acidic solution and I added salt, what would likely happen? It would become more alkaline. Right. Now here's the problem. Because those parameters are so narrow, and if we were trying to maintain homeostasis, if we were the brain, okay, and we were looking at pH values, and I said that, you know, a point, a point is a tenfold change. If I wanted to make change in pH values and solutions in the body, would I want to use something so strong that I could quickly put it into a one? Or would I want to use something that's a little bit softer and, and may slowly work structures down to 7.1, 7.2, 7.3, or so forth, right? We want that. Because I don't want things shifting too severely because, uh-oh, shit, we've gone too far, and i got to go back here because we're all over the place. So the body maintains something called a buffer system, and the role is to convert strong acids or bases into weak acids or bases. That's important. It's not trying to completely get rid of them. It just tries to make them weaker. So we don't need to add anything that's going to remove them entirely. We need to have something that lowers them slowly and nicely. The thing to remember that the stronger an acid is, the easier or the quicker it ionizes. In other words, it releases many hydrogen or hydroxide ions into the solution. So is that considered a stable compound or an unstable compound? Right. So high acids and solutions and, and the end high alkalines are somewhat unstable. In other words, they're very easy to alter and change. Okay? Um, weak acids or bases release much smaller amounts of hydrogen or hydroxide, thereby having less effect on pH. And the, these compounds that convert them either into a weaker one or the other are known as a buffer. In other words, a buffer either adds or removes hydrogen. Okay? It's all about hydrogen, not about hydroxide. So, the one I'm going to talk about the most here is something called a carbonic acid bicarbonate buffer system. Right? Those are the two chemicals that are used in the system in order to raise or lower hydrogen. Carbonic acid is a weak acid, and bicarbonate is a weak base. So, both of them, one's one or the other. If there's excess hydrogen, bicarbonate can act as a weak base and therefore remove excess hydrogen from the solution. What do we give in the movies? We've got a code, right? Nurse, give me the heart stop. Give me a syringe full of sodium bicarbonate. Why? And they ridiculously in the movie show you they put the needle right in the heart, which they don't do. Sorry? Okay. If muscles are working too much, what's a byproduct? An acid. Yes. So... The more, lack, the more acidic the environment around the heart becomes, the less likely it is to start again. So they try to use sodium bicarb to lower the acidic value, and sometimes putting the paddles on and giving a zap works better. That's why. So, if there's excess hydrogen, the biocarbonate can act as a weak base and therefore remove excess hydrogen. If there's a shortage of hydrogen, the carbonic acid can act as a weak acid and contribute needed H. So, again, parameters... One way or the other, do we need to add hydrogen or do we need to remove hydrogen? And we either have carbonic acid to give iron or uh, bicarbonate to remove hydrogen. All right. So I'm going to pause this for a second.
So I'd like you to pair up, please. Find a find a partner. 